grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Winter is indeed officially upon us, dear listener, but never fear, we have you covered. We promise to turn up the heat each and every Thursday night here on Newcastle Live Radio with a host of steamy indoor activity suggestions to have you all set for those chilly months. On tonight's show, we as always slip into bed with Timberlina as she dispenses her wisdom like glitter on all things sex and love and we investigate the strip tease with Leanne from Empole Studios. Jasmine from Conscious Sexuality will be along and takes on the topic that many women suffer with in silence, painful sex. Apart from being the first month of winter, June is also Pride Month. Tonight we hear our first instalment of Transition, a story about bravely stepping into the gender you most identify with, even if that contradicts the gender you were assigned at birth. We will be unpacking Sebi's story each week throughout the month of June. There is so much to get through in this hour, so please... As always, slip under the covers, let the Shiraz slip down your throat, feel it warm you up from the inside out, and listen. I'm Louise Wilkinson, this is Lipstick After Dark. Want some love and sex advice? Searching for the answer to your complex, confusing or downright awkward questions. The queen of the Newcastle drag scene is in the building. It's time for In Bed with Timberlina on After Dark. I'm not meant to have favourites, but I have to say that this is definitely one of my favourite segments on Lipstick After Dark. Here is the amazing, the wonderful, the fabulous Timberlina in the building. Hello, hello, hello. How's your week been? Yeah, so good. Busy. Busy as always. Yes. Great. I love that. It's great to be busy. And we'd be complaining if we weren't, weren't we? I mean, we could be Melbourne. We could be sitting oh, at home climbing the walls. That is very true. Mm, not very good. No. Okay. Look, I've got some curly ones for you today. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> I love a curly one. <laughs> Do I? I don't know. I've never experienced it myself, but I'll I'll be led by you. (laughs) All right. Now, dear Timberlina, I'm a woman in my mid-30s and I thoroughly enjoy giving fellatio. I want to take it to the next level with deep threading, but my gag reflex is quite sensitive. If my toothbrush or tongue scraper goes back too far, I'll puke. Don't get me wrong, get the job done, but I want more fun. I've tried numbing sprays, pressure points, and even visited a sex toy shop, only to be told that a penis shouldn't be in your throat if you can't manage it. Any advice? (laughs) (laughs) Well, during my shows, actually, I do this, um, the number is 26 chokes on dicks. Oh, okay. And then I try and teach everyone how not to choke on dicks. Oh, how educational. (laughs) I know. So you put your hands in the air and then you bring your thumbs across your palm and then you bring your fingers over your thumbs and squeeze really tight and then you should just be able to take it all the way, apparently. I've never tried it before, but a few people have and they said it works. Some say it don't. Try that. So thumbs across your palms, fingers over your thumb and squeeze really tight and, I don't know, it must... Do something. Wow. 
<laughs> I'm sure you weren't expecting that, but <laughs> And that's the show. That's yeah. all we need, education wise tonight. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I really thought you were going to fumble around on that one, but nope, no. this is what you do, girlfriend. <laughs> if that doesn't help, I have no idea. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> if you've tried the numbing spray and all that sort of stuff, there's, n- there's not a lot of hope. We don't, yeah. we don't know what to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Oh. I've remained in love with my ex since he broke up with me in October. That oh. sucks for you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We went through a period of no contact, but all of a sudden he started liking all of my Instagrams and viewing my Snapchat stories. What is he trying to say through social media? There's a term for this in dating. Is there? Yes. It's called orbiting. Oh. It means you sort of orbit around, you know, without actually doing the proper reach out like a phone call or a text. You just like, you know, keep popping up on their social media like an annoying little flea. Oh. Mm. What do you think this means? Oh, he totally wants to bang. I think it's just a banging thing. Like, yes, I don't think he wants to get back. I think it's just he wants to really get amongst. And I feel like that's an ego thing. Yeah, don't you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Obviously, he's going through a little bit of a. Mm. Yeah. So he wants to get to back up into the. Yep. Whole amongst the. Amongst it. Amongst it. (laughs) Is that the right wording? It is. It is now. Get all up in her business. Right. So, I mean, if you're into it and you know that you've still got feelings, maybe don't do it. But if you can get past the feelings, why not? If you're not getting any, do it. Get amongst it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Look, girlfriend, I think... If you can keep it at that level, then good luck to you. Um, but, you know, like, protect your little heart too. Yeah. 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 It's a hard one when you've got feelings and you want to go back there. I mean, I would go back there and then just get my heart broken because that's the kind of girl I am. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. All been there. I mean, yeah, look, I just don't. I mm, Proceed with caution. But in answer to your question, our feeling is that he is uh, closing in once again. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Do you, have you done that? Have you, like, you know? Oh, like, I, just, I go directly into the DMs. I don't do that whole... Yeah. I don't have time. Well, yeah, because as discussed, we're very time poor. So let's just cut to the chase. Straight into the DMs. Do you want it? No. Okay, cool. Next. <laughs> Efficient. Like yeah. it. Okay. All right. He, ooh, okay. Now, with this one, I have actually done a little bit of research because when I saw this question come through, I was intrigued. Oh, I love that you're doing the research and I just get put on the spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because you're just so good at just coming up with the answer. I mean, look at that. Look at that blowjob one. You came up within two seconds flat. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't. I would have had to research that. This is why we have you in. You're a natural. All right. Hit me. (laughs) Excellent. A year ago, I broke up with my boyfriend of four years. Before him, I didn't have many sexual partners. But after moving to Newcastle, the number has grown exponentially. Is there an average number? Do people get put off by someone who has slept with a lot of people? I don't think... Well, I don't know my number, so I don't get crack (laughs) So I'm going to say no. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, this this may shock you a little bit. Okay. A uh, a study published in the Archives of Sexual History, which surveyed thirty three thousand US adults. Right. Yeah. Found that members of baby boomer generation slept with an average of eleven people in their lives. Yeah. Gen X uh, got down with an average of ten, and millennials were on track to bed a total of eight. You look shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, who were these thirty three thousand people that they like? Surveyed? Maybe they were from like the like not the, the deep south. Yeah, <laughs> very small country towns where half of it's just your family. Yeah, um. <laughs> but as a comparison. I looked up how many the Sex in the City girls had had slept with across the series. Oh. Mm. So Samantha, this is healthier, Samantha uh, racked up uh, 41. Yep. uh, And one woman, 41 men, one woman, uh, while Carrie hooked up with 18, Charlotte 18, and she comes across as being, you know. the prim and proper. Yeah, but 18. And Miranda 17. So. I feel like they're more... Normal numbers. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think anyone should judge anybody, really, on a number. Like, I don't I wouldn't be able to tell you my number. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, and I'm just not going there. It's like, nobody's does, business. Right. Do, you, do people, like, put, like, a tally down after, like, in their journal <laughs> and then keep it for every year? And rate them one yeah. to ten? <laughs> I don't have time for that either. So. No. <laughs> I hear that. That's usually less than five, so. Yeah, if I can remember you, you did okay. So, <laughs> to answer her question, though, I don't think she should be worried about her number. No, no. At all. I, I don't think. I think let your freak flag fly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to tell anybody your number. And a little white lie didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it's probably past you, my first one. But, um, yeah, you can gloss over all of the uh, casual encounters, if you like, and just count the relationship once and wait. that, like two, she said? Yeah. yeah amazing. Love mm. it. Okay. All right. Uh, last one for this week. Right. Is the third date really the sex date? Are the guys I'm dating expecting me to sleep with them on the third date? You didn't sleep with them on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so knew you were going there. <laughs> wow, you waited that long? Yeah. I mean, depending who you are, like if you're one of those people that like really takes the dating very serious and you're not sleeping with them on the first date or the second date, usually it is the third date, but... I mean, I want to know what they're like in the bed on the first date. Like, why would I waste my time on the second and third date if they're a I really dad? feel that there's a theme of efficient time management going through this whole section. <laughs> I mean, I love a good date. I love a good date. I love a little dinner and a wine. Yeah. But, like... And you know what? Here's what's interesting. I think that dating as dating is a real American thing. Like, they do the whole, you know, first of all, you go to coffee and then you go to dinner and then the next date is a movie and they have this whole, like, process. We just go out to... um, A bar, usually. A bar. Or coffee. It's usually a bar or a coffee. Yeah. Or we meet up with someone on a night out and we end up just sticking with them. (laughs) Like... 
you know, that's how it's done. I think I think we're a lot more casual here. Yeah. So I think I think if you've been on two proper dates as an Australian, you should be damn thankful and um, <laughs> give it up on the third date. Yeah, totally the third date. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. All right. So this weekend, where are we going to see Timberlina? This week, uh, Five Sawyers. Yes. And yes. then Friday, I'm doing Newcastle Dog Rescue Fundraiser. Oh, that, that sounds like fun. It's, it's sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've just got two, like, private events on Saturday. So I'm doing a baby shower. Oh, that will be so much fun. Yeah, so I play all the games and dance and all that. And then I'm doing a birthday party. Right. So if you wanted to see Timberlina this weekend, I'm sorry, you're out of luck. Exactly. Um, but stay tuned because every week he's going to tell us where, um, where he's going to be. So, yeah. like... You know, we, I'm around. I'm around. Yeah, always around. You sit on the gram anyway. Yeah, make sure that you're following Timberlina on the gram and on Facebook uh, for events that are coming up. Uh, that's our hot tip for today. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you got a lot out of this, and uh, we'll be right back next week with in bed with Timberlina. Now, if you have any questions for Timberlina, he also writes a column for Newcastle Live, so you can hit up Newcastle Live and send your questions into him that way as well. You're listening to Lipstick After Dark. Want to unlock your pleasure? Jasmine invites you to push past your limiting beliefs around sex and love. It's conscious sexuality. Sex is supposed to be a wonderful, pleasurable act between two people who are, at the very least, pretty into each other. But what about when sex is painful? That can happen for some women and here to discuss the ins and outs, as it were, of painful sex is Jasmine Carmen from Conscious Sexuality. Jasmine, welcome back to Lipstick After Dark. Thanks, Louise. I'm excited to be back. Okay, so you have actually had some experience with painful sex and it's something that you're very passionate about talking about and it's probably more common than what we think, isn't it? It is, yes. It is really, really common, yet it's something that's really not spoken about as an experience that could be had uh, during, you know, um, a sexual experience. So a lot of women do experience it, but they don't either know that it's not normal or there's a bit of shame attached to it. And that's why it kind of gets pushed under the rug a bit, which is very similar to my own personal story. Mm. For, for anyone that hasn't heard my story, I've ex- I experienced a condition called vaginismus, and that was caused uh, primarily from an accident that I had when I was nine years old. Right. But then also um, because I was part of Christianity growing up, um, the culture around sex was very negative, and so it put a bit of a, I guess, a damper on my expectation of sex. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and I guess introduced a little bit of mind games into into that equation as well. I'm guessing yep. um, yes, from your point right. of view, so so a psychological block. Mm. Yes, exactly. That's right, and it's interesting because when it comes to sex education, often girls in particular are told that you know sex is great, sex is, is wonderful, but you know when you have sex penetrative sex specifically for the first time, it's probably going to hurt. Yes. And 
and that is very common, but that's actually that actually shouldn't be happening. Right. So the old adage that when we're having sex for the first time and our hymen uh, is broken, it's actually not normal for that to hurt. The idea that um, first-time sex should hurt mm. um, isn't correct. Right. And what actually happens if there is pain often it's because there's not enough lubricant involved and so there's a lot of friction being on on the inside of your vagina right and and the idea that even that you might bleed the first time that you have sex because you're i'm going to i've got air quotes going here for yes. your hymen breaking yeah um it's actually from internal tears because you've had probably too much friction from the first time and not enough lubricant uh, to actually make it a pleasurable experience. Okay. That has really flipped my thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people out there as well, because that has been exactly what has been touted to girls mm-hmm. uh, the first time that they have sex, that it, it is going to hurt and it is going to be uh, a little bit of a traumatic experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and that's just, I mean, that's just due to, the the generations before us also just not really having enough knowledge and what they've been taught. So they just keep passing down information to us on what they know. And then, you know, the next generation tries to do better next time. And so you can, there are lots of different ways that you can experience pain. So whether it's your first time or not, you might feel like you, there's a wall when you're, when you're attempting penetration Mm -hmm. or, it might feel like tearing or a sharp pain or even like a stinging feeling. Um, and they're all symptoms of different kinds of painful sex. Mm, okay. That, that shouldn't be experienced. And there are many ways that you can resolve this. I mean, one of the most common ones is even the first question is, like I mentioned earlier, are you using enough lubricant? You mm. know, like... Is it, are you having a dry? You know, is that why it's painful? Um, and sometimes that's that can be the case because also we're not really taught that using heaps of lubricant is okay. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm thinking back to my sex ed that I had in school uh, when you're saying all of this and we talk a lot about the mechanics of sex and this goes here and this is what happens and the ovum releases an egg and blah, blah, blah. But I think the idea that it's pleasurable and and a, a bonding experience and that sort of thing is glossed over and that is what can make it wonderful if we don't have that, I guess, shame around sex or that those head games around sex and we can relax into it. But in your experience, so you experienced vaginismus and how did you go about... Uh, treating that yourself okay so my first step was to I went and saw my GP and shared my concerns of what I'd been experiencing now I actually put up with this experience for about six years before I went and saw a doctor because I had an incredible amount of shame around it Mm. and I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could talk to about it and so it was something that uh, my husband and I just sort of, we pushed under the rug um, until, I don't know, obviously I just got to a point where I was, felt strong enough to tackle it. And so I went and saw my, my GP 
and shared with her what was going on. Um, and she was really lovely, really gentle, and she validated everything that I was feeling. And I want to just highlight that that's really important because a lot of women, when they go and see their doctor, they get told, well, maybe you just need to relax more or maybe you need to just have some wine and that'll help you, you know, enjoy it better. Mm. And that's completely like just not acknowledging what that person is going through. And so if if there is someone and you have gone to see a doctor before, go and find a better doctor <laughs> Yeah. because you want a doctor that's going to validate everything that you're feeling and take it seriously and help you to be able to resolve what is going on. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So I went and saw my GP. She was fantastic. And what she did next was she referred me to a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Okay. I didn't know there was such a thing. There you go. There is. Wow. And they're fantastic. <laughs> Everybody should see a pelvic floor physiotherapist at least once in your life because our pelvis is actually really incredible. And what goes on in our pelvis, like I got totally re-educated on my pelvis and I was like, oh my goodness, how did I not know all this? Mm. <laughs> so I went and saw a pelvic floor physiotherapist and that was my main source of treatment um, to cure my vaginismus. Right. And what was involved was like pelvic floor exercises. Um, often we hear about women doing their kegels to tighten where I'm trying to do the opposite. To relax, yep. I'm, I'm trying to relax. So I was, anything that was like, I, I didn't do any ab work d- during this time, anything that would cause my pelvic floor to like tense up or tighten, I was not doing any of it. But what I was doing was focusing on making my pelvic floor learn how to relax and how to release and not hold tension. I love it. Okay. Who knew that there was those resources available? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so fantastic. And honestly, like as sucky as my experience was, it's opened a whole new world for me. And pelvic floor physiotherapists do so much, especially for women, um, even, you know, a lot of women might experience painful sex after they've had a baby because their pelvic floor has gone through a massive change and it's not the same as it was before. And so a pelvic floor physiotherapist is great for that as well to help after you've had a baby and help to look at how things are and maybe there's, maybe you do need to tighten up or maybe you still do need to relax more. So go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist and just get a general pelvic floor check because it was just good to bring awareness to that area of our body. I love it. I love that. And look, you know, it, you are right. It has opened up a, a new door for you and led you on this path with conscious mm. sexuality. Yeah. And I do need to tell you that this is a subject that before I met you, I hadn't heard a lot about. I had heard yeah. the term, but I didn't realise how... Uh, common it was and I just happened to be talking to a friend of mine and I was talking about you and having you on the show and she said yes I'm familiar with Jasmine because I suffer with vaginismus Mm -hmm. and she has helped me out so much and I this is someone that I consider to be a very very close friend and I had no idea yeah so what you're doing is amazing for women and really bringing awareness to this and that it is something that you can treat. You don't have to put up with it. There are treatment options available. And, yeah, yeah it's um, it's can be a whole new world of sexuality as, as you have discovered. 
That's right, exactly. And a lot of people that experience this can really feel like their sexuality has been taken away from them because often we equate sexuality with sex. Yes. Um, and so for, for those who are going through something like this, you're probably not having sex. And so you might really feel that you don't have a sexuality, but our sexuality isn't tied to whether we are actively having sex or not. You can be a totally sexual person and express yourselves in ways that make you feel sexual, but you don't have to have be having sex to qualify for that. I love it. Jasmine, Absolutely fascinating chat. I hope that people at home, if this applies to you, you have got a lot out of it. And uh, if you need some more information, you can reach out to Jasmine at Conscious Sexuality on Instagram. My friend, it's always wonderful to have you on Lipstick After Dark. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to Newcastle Live Radio. This is Lipstick After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark right here on Newcastle Live Radio. Here on Lipstick After Dark, we're all about getting in touch with your inner goddess and here to help us do just that is Leanne from Empole. Welcome to Lipstick After Dark, Leanne. Thank you for having me. Now, you run Empole, which is obviously, as the name would suggest, a pole dancing school, which is very, very well attended by a lot of ladies that are learning pole. And, you know, if you haven't seen Hustlers, everybody, you really should, because what J-Lo can do at 50 with a pole is amazing. I'm sure that did your business no harm at all, Ian. <laughs> No, not at all. It was quite quite refreshing, actually. Yeah, just amazing. And, and there is so much aerobic fitness that goes into pole, isn't there? Definitely is. It requires a fair amount of um, strength and strength endurance, uh, a bit of cardio, particularly once you start doing your routines and stuff like that. So it is um, all-round great fitness. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And what, but what I love most about uh, the classes that you offer at Empole is it is quite an empowering and sexy thing for women to participate in. And I note that on your website, you have some workshops available that can either be booked for hens parties, etc., or birthday parties, but also you do run courses that you said that you, you would have some things coming up at the end of July in some different types of dance styles. So the first one I'd like to touch on, if I can say that, is a lap dancing. So what is involved in a lap dancing workshop? Um, well, basically we teach um, our clients to perform a lap dance. So you come in, you warm up, your instructor will try and break the ice. Most people um, walking into a situation like that will be quite uncomfortable, so we try and break the ice and make you really comfortable. And then basically you'll learn a pre-choreographed um, lap dance that you know everyone should be able to do. And if there are anything in that, we will modify it to suit your skill level. But the best part of the class, yes. which COVID, COVID, COVID has you know, put a little bit of a damper on this, but the best part of the class is performing it on your classmates. <laughs> what we do is we teach you it, and at the end of it, we give you the opportunity to actually perform it with a live person sitting in the chair so that you are fully prepared to take this home for that someone special. 
Yes, and I think that that someone special would be very appreciative of, um, you know, a very polished performance and uh, I'm quite sure that the person delivering it will, will get rewarded in kind if it's uh, if they've got their chops down. <laughs> yeah, look, and, the, and to be honest, and this is what I say when I'm teaching the workshop, it, it doesn't really matter if it's super polished. The person who you are performing for will be super appreciative of it, and it's actually very nerve-wracking to do. So if you are a recipient of a lap dance, please be acknowledging that, that it takes quite a amount of bravery to actually get up there and perform for a single audience. Generally, you'll find it much much easier to perform for a, a group audience than just one person. I would say that I'm from a performance background, and I know that the times that it has been most nerve-wracking to me is when I have those people in the audience, family and friends whose opinion actually matters. Uh, But I will also say that, you know, in the past, after a couple of eggnogs, I have done quite a rendition of Santa Baby, uh, but I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that I need to expand my repertoire. So I'm sure that I can benefit from the the lap dancing workshop as well. Now we want to knock it up a gear. So maybe we've gone to the lap dancing workshop and that's gone quite well. Thank you very much. You have a striptease workshop now. Yes. I'm assuming that in a workshop situation that we don't necessarily get naked in front of each other but you have a very unique way of teaching people how to disrobe in a sexy manner don't you yeah you know definitely and um, when we do the workshops we will um we'll inform you before you attend the workshop what items of clothing to bring with you and um usually we go down to like crop top or singlet shorts or tights just depending on what you're most comfortable with but yeah and then you'll bring along your specific items that we will take off and yeah we'll we'll teach you some really fun and interesting ways to take those items off and you know have a bit of fun with it. Love that that's unreal. Now burlesque is something that has obviously rose to prominence with the movie burlesque but it is quite a a sexy thing in itself so that would be using corsets and your garters and, and your feathers I'm assuming in a burlesque routine and that has proven to be quite popular for you in the past as well hasn't it? Yeah see yeah it has um burlesque and striptease like while they may seem like similar things they are actually very different things um is quite um it's it's hard to describe but it's more of a show on taking the items off whereas with a strip tease is about getting the items off (laughs) it is actually about getting the items off i understand the description so maybe if you were if you were working up to it you might like to start with burlesque and then move into the strip tease uh Yeah. yeah Quite, quite skilled burlesque dancers can use whole songs, and I mean like several songs, to remove one or two items of clothing, whereas when you do a strip tease, you might remove your whole get-up in a song. Right. So there, there, there's a bit more, I guess, art in burlesque. Yeah, um, the art of the tease, not, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not a rushed exercise at all, <laughs> whereas <laughs> uh, strip tease can be quite, you know, Full on and quick, whereas the other one is, you know, slow and drawn out and quite central. Right. <laughs> so, depending look, on your after. Yeah. Look, I think we need all of this in our arsenal, and depending on uh, how we want to be ravaged after it, we can we can pull yeah. pull each each one out of the box as we need it. I love this. Yeah, now. Yeah. 
finally, there is one that has me uh, very, very intrigued. Now, there is two words that I can't say on radio, and one starts with F. So please use your imagination, people. But I'm sure you can uh, you can guess what I'm going to say. So this one is called floor effery. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, so this workshop, um, we also call it Sexy Floor if it doesn't quite, you know, tickle everybody's sense of it. Or you can jump oh. on our website and totally, you know, sort it out. But Yeah, look, I um, like the alliteration. I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it too. Um, this workshop, uh, for me personally, is about you feeling good about yourself. Um, so less about the audience. Like yep. whether it's a single person or a group, it's more about feeling good in yourself. And it's more about appreciating and learning to love the way your body moves and like, and enjoying that process, which I think as women, we, we often get told how we should feel and how we should look and how, how we should dress. Whereas we don't often get to appreciate what our bodies can do without all the media telling us what we can do. And I, and I love this workshop. This is, this is one of my favorite ones to teach because, like, it just, I don't know, empowers women to feel good about themselves. Which, and, yeah, and embrace their sexuality, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's all about, you know, rolling around on the floor and, like, just enjoying what your body can do and, like, how it moves and, you know, feeling good about that. So In all of its juicy too-muchness, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Leanne. So, if people wanted to uh, investigate more your private group sessions, uh, what should they do? Um, well, they can contact us through all of our social media aspects. So, um, we're, we've got a website, Facebook, Instagram, all of them. If you search Mpole, so M P O L E, will come up pretty quickly. Yes. Um, and you can contact us through those, or you can give me a buzz. Um, we've got a one three hundred number, so it's one three hundred to Empole, um and um, we can get you sorted out. Excellent. So if you're looking for something to do on a night out with the girls uh, to increase your sexual repertoire, may I recommend a visit to Empole? And please, we're, we're always curious to know the results of the recommendations that we give you on After Dark. So feel free to text us and tell us how you went after you've attended your uh, burlesque, your floor effery or your striptease workshop because uh, we want to know that this stuff works. We're damn sure it does, but we love hearing the success stories. Leanne, thank you so much for your time this evening. This has been Leanne from Impol on Lipstick After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark right here on Newcastle Live Radio. The month of June is Pride Month, and this month we're going to be featuring a very special guest, my gossip girl on the lipstick lunch, Sebi, about what happens when the gender you're assigned to at birth isn't what you identify as. Sebi... Welcome to the Lipstick Lunch After Dark for the first time. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Good. Yeah. Okay, so let's go into your journey a little bit. So mm-hmm. you were born a boy. Yes. So um, I guess, yeah, when I was born, I was assigned the gender male at birth because of the little between me down there. Yes. Because, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, and I grew up. Uh, my life as a very flamboyant at what I thought 
was a flamboyant little boy. I mean, you knew me. You've known me many, many years, so you've seen kind of half the whole journey. I have. Um, yeah, and um, I grew up um, very happy, very um, extroverted kid. I have always... Um, I don't know, been larger than life, some would say. <laughs> some would say. Uh, some, might, <laughs> some might put down that I have been a bit of an excitable kid. Um, <laughs> don't know why, honestly. Yeah, I'm nothing yep. like that. I'm the shyest person I've ever met. <laughs> I'm sure I'm the shyest person you've ever met. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, so as you said, you were always a extra little boy and <laughs> – <laughs> you, I actually, I actually have a bone to pick with you because you taught my daughter to be a drama queen. Okay, no, sorry, that's in her blood. Have you met yourself? Don't you <laughs> dare! That is so unfair. I just let her like let her freak flag fly. I think that's really that's rude. I don't agree. I think you birthed her, and that's the that's all that people need to know about your daughter. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yes. Okay, maybe I encouraged some things. Some things. You, I did not come in here to be attacked today. This is not what I came for. Um, Going into your teen years, you decided that you liked boys, I yes. guess we could say. Yeah, well, I guess, okay, so, I mean, ever since I was very little, I had this, like, intruding thought. I would always have this thought. And I think it's because of how flamboyant, or maybe not flamboyant, I would say feminine. I don't think I was flamboyant. I think people saw what I was like as flamboyant because I was an extroverted kid. But I, I wouldn't say I'm, I was flamboyant. I think I played into that more once I grew up and thought I was gay. So I think, like, growing up, I had this intrusive thought that would always just play in my mind when I was trying to go to sleep, like, from as little as I can remember. Like, I wish I was a girl. My life would be easier if I was a girl. Like, like, it would just make more sense if I was a girl. And I never understood what that meant. I just knew that that was something like I was always, I always wanted to be like my sister. I um my sister and I have always been very close and so I don't know, like growing up with her and playing with dolls and stuff. Not that I'm saying any of that, playing with your sister or playing with dolls or doing feminine things as a child, um, when you're assigned male at birth does not mean you're trans. I know plenty of um straight cis men who have played with dolls. Um but I just, I, I always, like, loved the feminine side of the world and I was um, very drawn to it. And I guess as I started growing up when puberty hit, which, again, you know, very late, I mm. I, I blossomed quite late. Um, I When I started realising I had this attraction for men, a lot of, like, growing up, a lot of people would always say, like, this kid's going to turn out to be gay or he's gay, gay, blah, 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 like, homosexual, you are queer like people were very <laughs> prominent on that and I guess when I started realizing I was attracted to men I was like well I guess that's it like that makes the most sense like I had never had um any knowledge of trans people um I ended up um soon having a girl in my year come out as trans and um but I mean still I, I had no knowledge of the trans community and I really didn't know much about that and um, I just was told I was gay my whole life, so I kind of just clung to that. I was like, well, I guess that's it. Like, I, I'm a boy that likes men. Like, uh, that's why I wanted to be a girl. That doesn't make sense. I need you to know that. If you're a man likes men, you don't want to be a girl. That's, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, so I guess I, I, I just found this, like, 
um, I, I, I guess it was a sense of community. I was like, okay, I am gay. These are my people. There was a lot of... Uh, I went to um, a very um, forward-thinking school, or almost a bubble in a way of, uh, like, how it is, like, accepting of um, the queer community. It's very different to the outside world. Um, but I, I was very lucky. I was very... Um, I was accepted open arms, and... Um, I don't think I was even out when I met you. I, I like no, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been. You gay. weren't, but I certainly didn't have a problem with you sleeping over and playing with dolls <laughs> with Bella, uh, which you know it never it never crossed my mind that there was an issue there. No, I don't know. For a, a, a while, I clung to that. I mean, um, I'd say from I came out as gay at about maybe uh, the end of like when I was just about to turn like to turn sixteen. I think I came out as gay. Um, and I originally, like, earlier that year, had come out as bi, and everyone was like... Mm. <laughs> Maybe one there. more half step, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going, baby. You'll get there one day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I officially came out as gay, and um, I don't know, I was a lot happier um, than I was. I felt like I could completely... I mean, I never... The thing is... I have never been one to shy away from being myself. I've always been myself through and through. Mm. Um, and what I will say as well with that is that you have an incredibly supportive family. I do. I'm yeah. very lucky. Yes. Um, which is not always the case for a lot of queer people. That's so, right. Yeah. 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 You were hashtag blessed with that, I guess, um, that, yes. you know, you could be yourself. Yeah, no matter what. Well, no matter what and yeah. be accepted by your family. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you were very, very lucky in that in that space. So you came out as gay. Did you date men? Um, yeah, well, I well, I had a few little things with men and then I met a much older man. Um, we started a relationship and it just wasn't the right thing for me in that time. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't good for my mental health. It wasn't good for my journey. Like, I'm trying to figure myself out. Like, I was in the middle of trying to figure myself out, and I was dating someone who I guess already kind of did. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I really didn't – and I, I didn't really have much control um, over my life at that period of time. And then um, – and I think, in a way, that stunted my growth as a, tr- a trans girl, but also uh, just in general in, like, learning about the world, who I am, um, how I think – I kind of, I, I'm very prone to fall in love very quickly. It's it's very embarrassing. I um, I, I don't know what it is about me, but I have this like, I, I just will meet someone and I can instantly feel that connection, and then I'll become obsessive and gross. Um, but uh, I kind of just put everything I was into this person, and I I lost. I lost who I was. I completely lost it. Um, and when we broke up I was freshly 18 so Mm. I guess when you're meant to know well I mean what people expect you to know who you are and what you're doing and what you're going to do with the rest of your life and that's not the case at ever like ever when when is an 18 year old ever known fully who they are or what they're doing but I guess that's societal standards and yeah we broke up and um I, I guess I was out on in the world on my own and I just I didn't know like for the I think the first time in my life I completely had no idea who I was um and I've always known I wanted to be an actor and I always knew I wanted to be an entertainer and that my personality was a little larger than life but I kind of I lost all confidence in myself I lost um I just yeah, I just, I didn't know who Sebi was anymore. And um, 
I fell into a like a very deep dark depression. It was like uh, one of the lowest points in my life thus far and I mean I'm 20 now so I'm not much older than I was then but um, I've grown immensely but um, yeah it's, it was the first time in my life that I'd felt incredible sadness um, mm. and I like I started like feeling that who I thought I was wasn't really correlating with what I saw for myself or what what I wished to be and I, 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 get, I became very confused. I, I like, very confused about everything. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about the light bulb moment, I guess, mm-hmm. when you realised who you were. And it was a light bulb moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tune in next week to hear the second instalment of Transition Sebi's story here on Lipstick After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio. As the saying goes, the time I spend with you is never enough, dear listener, and sadly it's time for me to lipstick kiss you goodnight once more. I'll be back at 8pm next Thursday night for more sexy, silly and sumptuous stories. Of course, we'll miss each other in between, but just look at the moon and the stars and know we are under the same sky until we meet again. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and this has been Lipstick After Dark on Newcastle Live Radio. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night, only on Newcastle Live Radio.